Inside Westminster, chapter 209, Salvation. Like number 10 buses, vaccines came thick and fast and all at once, following the desert months since February. The Oxford one, third. They vaunted as the jab of the world, as it didn't have to be stored at some super-duper low temperatures like some others. We've pre-ordered millions and millions of them, so the entire nation can be vaccinated, the PM trumpeted, and the deputy chief medical officer said it was tantamount to the third penalty shootout, and by late spring, life would be returning to some sort of normality. Trump must have been the only person on earth cursing these vaccines, claiming that the first past the post one developed in the US had been announced just as the election had taken place as a stitch-up to deny him the glory of its creation under his auspices. Honestly, he'd rather see the human race suffer serious calamity than admit he's wrong or he's been defeated, both of which are true, Melania said to Tony. Well, ma'am, What are you going to do now your husband has been forced to concede? Tony asked. Melania had grown used to Tony's somewhat forward and personal questions, so didn't bridle at its directness, replying, Do you know, Tony, I don't really know. Have you any suggestions? Tony nearly fainted, fainted at the chance to, at last, declare his undying love for her, his passion that knew no bounds, and his desire to ravage her morning, noon and night. But he daren't, as he knew that would be the end of that, and he'd be dismissed and sent packing. And so he simply said nothing, though his kneading of Melania's shoulders must have caught his mental turmoil, and Melania winced at his power, saying, Not so heavy, Tony, that hurts. Sorry, ma'am, Tony said, adding, I lost concentration. He wondered how on earth his goddess hadn't worked out that he lusted after her till he nearly couldn't stand it. Don't worry, Tony, we're all under stress, Melania said sympathetically. Are you moving out of the White House any time soon, ma'am, he asked. Not sure, she said, continuing. Depends on my husband and the rest of his god-awful family. Tony was surprised, as Melania usually avoided ever mentioning the other members of the Trump family. He assumed she didn't get on with them, and he was right. Melania simply hated them all. Her husband, she had the measure of, and they actually rubbed along pretty well. She kept her side of the bargain, and he, well, he left her alone, which had been her condition not to leave him because of the squally Daniels mess midway through the presidency. Trump had been really shaken by Melania's reaction, overreaction, he'd said and found that she had managed to get the upper hand and had kept it thereafter. We're doing just fine, Tony, was all she'd ever say about her relationship with her husband, which was annoyingly and frustratingly bland for Tony, who'd just say, well, ma'am, if there's anything I can do to help, just shout. Melania would always just purr her gratitude in response. Back in London, announcements had been made announcements had to be made to get the country out of its current lockdown, inconsistent through the four nations of the kingdom as it had become, and preparations for Christmas had to be announced so that everyone could actually hug a granny 
which seemed to have become the most important thing under the sun. Track and Trace had disappeared practically without trace, and its fearless jockey leader with it. No one actually admitted its demise, but mass community testing seemed now to have taken precedence, and Liverpool had led the way, which was somewhat ironic for the PM, who lauded the city he'd previously slagged off because of the Hillsborough tragedy. But it was the state of the economy which had politicians and people and people alike in thrall. Would the shock of Covid be greater than the financial crash of 2008, which the world was only just recovering from? Three, four years' growth, gone, Erishbutt said to his wife Padma that morning, the morning of his relaying to the nation the way out of this almighty mess. That's terrible, my love, she replied sympathetically. How are we ever going to recover from such ruin? Butt wasn't quite sure, but had done his level best over the previous weeks to work out a plan. He couldn't punish the NHS. He couldn't take money from... His thoughts trailed off under the weight of simple don't-knows. It was the ultimate conundrum, as everyone, absolutely everyone, had suffered during this ghastly pandemic, and it was on his shoulders to guide everyone through. And then there's Brexit, he added, sighing to Padma. Oh, she replied, I'd almost forgotten that. Well, I wish I could too, but said, managing a smile. But if we have no deal, we're completely screwed. Oh dear, sighed Padma, asking, does it look that way? Who knows, but replied, continuing, these talks go to the wire, usually go to the wire, but that time limit has been crossed several times and all on top of the pandemic. It's way beyond anything we've ever experienced, apart from all-out war. On that depressing note, but left Downing Street, where he was to have one left for Downing Street, where he was to have one final rehearsal before delivering at the dispatch box. One good thing had happened, and that was the appointment of a new chief of staff to Downing Street, which seemed to please everyone, including Mandy, but thought. But couldn't understand how Potty had become so influenced by this woman and decided that he'd best just accept that there was a lot about the PM which would remain a mystery to him and everyone else, no doubt. And with that thought, he got on with his day.